It's the Perry and Shauna podcast on the real life journey with you, reminding you that you are Abba's beloved child and that Jesus has called you into his massive mission to heal the world. Your best life is a joyful life. Research shows that joy is found through life-giving relationships, but joyful lives are becoming rare, right? People are overwhelmed by life. Maybe you are. Marriages falling apart. Parents losing connection with their kids. Relationships are strained. If you can relate, there's good news. You can train your brain in the skills that are vital for living the joy-filled life that you were designed for on the good days and on the hard days. And Chris Corsi of Thrive Today is with us, thrivetoday.org. Chris is a counselor, an author, a speaker, and just committed to helping us have life-giving relationships. Good morning, Chris. Good to have you back with us. Good morning, Perry. It's really good to be here. I'm glad to be with you. So, you know, we want to stay relationally ourselves, not just in the good times. It's easy. You know, Michigan football, they won. I am in such a great mood right now. But if they had lost, you know, that would be another story. So how do we stay our relational selves when we're in conflict, when somebody's yelling at us? You know, how does that work? You know, that's that's a great question. And it's kind of a million-dollar question because a lot of us are feeling a whole lot of stuff. And we see this beautiful example in the Bible where Jesus remembered who he was when people wanted to push him off a cliff, when people wanted to throw stones at him, when, when people nailed him to a tree, right? He, he stayed his relational self. And so as Christ followers, as you said, in the good times as well as the bad times, learning to stay our relational selves, it actually takes a little bit of practice. It takes a little bit of example. So we see other people on how they handle the hard stuff. So we see models and we go, wow, I can't believe they handled that so well. If that would have happened to me, I would have lost it. So you had a situation where somebody yelled at you And because you've learned, you know, and of course, relying on the Holy Spirit, but you were able to stay in your relational self. Tell us about that. Yeah, I had an example at one of our trainings. It was a a morning we're all at the breakfast tables having our meals. And I noticed somebody standing over me while I'm having uh, breakfast with some of the attendees. And I turned to greet this person who's standing over me. And I, I looked up and I said, hey, good morning. And I quickly saw that it wasn't a good morning on his face. There was no joy. And he confirmed it when he started yelling. And I'm talking about yelling in a cafeteria full Mm. of people where everybody stops what they're doing. And he was, something had gotten him upset from the day before and he just lost it. And I immediately, my, my reflex was to try to talk him down you know, and explain and just to try to engage him. Well, as you can imagine, trying to put out a fire with gasoline didn't work too well. Mm -hmm. And all the attendees at my table are like deer caught in headlights. Everybody's just watching this guy who is absolutely irate. And so when I realized, you know, my words weren't going to fix this one, um, my training kicked in, thankfully, and I held up a timeout sign to this person. So I just made a little tea with my hands. I said, time out. Could we pause for a moment and catch our breath? And this person was about to walk away. I said, please don't leave. Just, could we just pause for a moment to catch our breath? 
And so, you know, he looked a little bewildered, but he stayed. And Perry, right then and there, it was quiet. I took some deep breaths. I noticed my heart was racing. You know, I was feeling some shame and humiliation. But he stood there. The whole cafeteria is silent. Everybody's watching this guy. And then after probably about 30 seconds, I could take some deep breaths. I could pray that the Lord would give me some wisdom here. And in a, in a soft voice, I was able to say, I'm so sorry that you were upset. And I was just able to say, you know, I'm really, I can see that this really hurt you. This really bothered you. I'm so sorry that happened. So I was able to just simply validate. I see you and I hear you. Mm-hmm. And he was upset over um, a, a video of a Christian in another country who was standing for their faith, but it triggered some pain in his life where he felt unprotected. Mm. So I said, if I would have known that this, this testimony was going to have this effect on you, I would have warned you or I wouldn't have played it. Mm-hmm. And so this was about a 60, 60 second interaction. And As I shared those things, I could just see the energy kind of leave his body. And I actually saw a little spark, a little spark of joy on his face. And and he said, thank you. He nodded and he walked away. And I turned back to the attendees at my table and I said, you know, they were still deer in headlights. I said, so how well did that work when I tried to use words to, to fix it when he was upset? And they nodded. No, that did not work. And I said, what happened after we took a breather? And they nodded, yes, that really helped. And so it was just a really good example. One is I needed a breather, and it was clear he needed a breather. And uh, at the end of that, at the end of that training, uh, his spouse came up to me and said, thank you for that interaction with my husband. Normally when this happens, we have to leave these conferences. But whatever you did, it worked. Mm. And all I did was simply take a pause so I could breathe and just take a moment to pray and ask for the Lord's wisdom and grace. And after the pause, just be able to validate, yes, you're upset. I hear that. I see that. And I'm with you here. And Perry, that it really was that simple, even though it was intense, even though it was, you know, pretty scary there for a few moments. It was just remembering who I am by God's grace, taking a pause and helping this person remember who they are. So you were able to get that person in a relational mode. Let's say, you know, that somebody's going to step into some conflict today and you may not even know you're going to have conflict today. What's one thing we can do today if we run into conflict? One thing. One thing. The best thing we can do is remember to breathe. Hmm. Take some deep breaths. Just just, a, just pretend you've got a big old balloon in your belly and fill it with air. Because the first thing to go when we get upset, Perry, is we hold our breath or we start we start kind of shallow breathing. And most hmm. of us, three quarters of us, pick up our phone, we hold our breath. So take some deep breaths. Feel free to take a pause. Invite the other person to take a pause. And just that little pause can help kind of reset your brain and recalibrate you to stay relational. And I know that a lot of your your ministry, your work is based on some brain science that has been done over the last, I don't know how many years. And there's this thing called the joy switch. And this is just fascinating. Yeah, this is very exciting, Perry. You know, God, God's word says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And you know what? When brain scientists study the brain, they notice that on the right hemisphere, 
we have this relational engine and this engine is designed to work together. And one of the, the fuels for this engine is when you see a face light up to see you. And so every time you walk into a room and somebody's face lights up to see you, it wakes up this relational engine. And so joy is when you're the sparkle in someone else's eyes. That's what these technical scientists say. Joy is when you're the sparkle in someone else's eyes. And it's part of this engine. I call it a joy switch because in a sense, it's like a dimmer switch. And so when there's joy and when I'm in a, in a good positive place, what happens is this engine works together and I'm relational. I want to interact. I want to put my phone down and I want to interact with my family and my friends. But when I lose my joy, what can happen over time is when there's a leak in my joy balloon, then the switch starts to dim. And when it starts to dim, we go from relational joyful mode to what we call enemy mode. And in enemy mode, the people I care about start to feel like enemies or that driver in front of me that was going too slow feels like an enemy. And in enemy mode, I just, I want to disconnect. I want to be on my phone. I don't want to interact with people. And so it is this, this beautiful joy switch that God's given us. And it's interesting because we all can think of times where we just enjoyed interacting with that friend. Our face lit up. Their face lit up when we got together in that coffee shop. It, there's joy. But this joy switch can start to, to fade and the engine can start to slow down and it doesn't work together. And that's where we shift into enemy mode. And so how do we shift back? Let's say we're in enemy mode and we want to get back into the joyful mode and connect relationally. relationally what's one thing we can do? Yeah, the one of the best things we can do is reflect on a joyful moment that God's given us. So when you remember a joyful moment from your day, a joyful moment with your family, a joyful moment with your coworkers, when you just even access a joyful moment, what it does is it wakes up this engine. And so it wakes up this joy switch. And so just reflecting on joy, my brain will start to respond as though I went back in time and I'm reliving that joy all over again. So it wakes it up. We just take 30 seconds, take a minute, a couple minutes, step into the restroom and just take a breath and try to remember something good that God's given you. And just that simple little action can help to turn things around. And that helps elevate the people around us. It does. When we reset. It does. The best thing is to share our joy. Joy is not meant to be kept to ourselves. Joy is meant to be shared with the people in our lives. And so even sharing, you know, we like to say, letting Jesus borrow your face. Let Jesus borrow your face. How how should your face look when you're with people that you care about? And how, how should we sound? And how should we come across to others? There's at least one book you've written that talks about this. What's what's one of them? Yeah, The Joy Switch is the name of that book. And it's a small little book with uh, almost 20 exercises to start some joy. One of the things that came out of this brain science is that we have a an enemy mode and we have a joyful mode. Now, that's been around for millennia but you've been able to isolate that we can be in joyful mode or enemy mode and we want to be in joyful mode and it takes some work. It takes some practice. You know what? It does take some work and some practice and all of us like being in relational joy mode where it's easy to light up, to be with people. We enjoy people and we even have a sense that God enjoys us. 
And that's a pretty good feeling. And then when the joy starts to fade, what happens is your brain goes into problem-solving mode. And in problem-solving mode, people feel like enemies. And we just want to win when we're in enemy mode. We just focus on what's wrong and how can I win this disagreement and this argument? Yeah. So, you know, we work as a team here at Perry and Shauna Mornings. And normally we've got Shauna and we've got Ben and we've got Scott and we've got myself and... It takes a lot of work to keep the joy with a team. And sometimes there's tension. Sometimes there's tension during the show. And we've, we've got to work through that. So let's say we're in one of those tense moments mm-hmm. and it feels like I feel like I've got to win and we need to bring joy to the listener. Uh, yeah. What can I do during that time? Yeah. In that moment, what we can do is a couple things. One would be try to remember what you enjoy about your friends or your coworkers. What are the qualities I enjoy? Another would be, how does God see this person that might feel like an enemy in this moment? Jesus, what do you see when you look at this person? And another thing would be to just even remember some of God's gifts in our lives, times where we felt like God was with us, God was close to us. Those things will really help to wake up this this part of our brain that is shifted into enemy mode. So sometimes we need a breather. Sometimes we need to reflect on what we do enjoy about people. And sometimes we even just need to be reminded, Lord, how do you see this person? Because what I see is someone who's making me mad or who's making me worried or upset. Yeah. All right. So uh, shifting gears here a little bit, you know, when someone else is not filled with joy, I can bring them joy. Let's say someone is depressed and you've got a, actually a, a story about, you know, bringing joy to someone who's depressed. Now, saying all things work together for good, you know, is not necessarily going to bring that person joy. Right. But give us an example of bringing joy to someone who's down. Yes, I had um, a family member who was really just a young, young man who was not uh, feeling a lot of joy. And as I started to learn all of this, this brain science and how God made us, I said, you know what? I'm going to invite Jesus to live in my face. Every time I see this person, I want to show the joy that I genuinely feel for this person. I didn't think much about it, but every time I would see them, I made it a point of connecting with them and just showing the joy that I feel for them. And one day um, he got into an argument with his mom and he said something really interesting. He said, well, I just want to move out. I think I'll go move in with Uncle Chris because at least he loves me. And my sister told me that. She said, yeah, he said this. Wasn't that interesting? I said, well, that is interesting because I, you know, I haven't been doing anything other than genuinely conveying the joy that I feel when I see him and connecting with him. So in his mind, my joy reaction when I would see him meant Uncle Chris loves me. Mm-hmm. Here's someone who loves me and cares about me. This person sees me and hears me. And again, so simple. Just Jesus, would you live in my face today when I go interact? with my friends, my coworkers, when I interact with my family this evening, Lord, would you live in my face and help me to show the genuine joy that I feel? So in other words, I don't keep my cards close. I can actually just show the joy that I feel. I'm not faking it until I make it. I'm just just genuinely conveying, I'm glad to see you. I'm glad to be with you. And that deeply impacts the brain. If we could scan the brain when somebody's seeing that joyful face, we would see this relational engine light up. Yeah. A couple next steps you can take. Chris has got a book called The Joy Switch, 
And you've also got a podcast at your website. You can find it at your website, both the book and the podcast. What's the podcast called? Yeah, it's Relational Skills in Real Life. And it's just talking about these relational skills and joy and, and a lot of stories about joy. Teach us some skills on how to stay in or to get in relational mode. Yeah, that's a good question. So relational mode is accessible. It just means that we usually have to do something that helps us get back into our relational seat. So we'll get our relational footing here. And so um, when it comes to ultimately managing what I feel, right, one of the reasons we go into enemy mode is because I have big feelings, big emotions. I don't know what to do with it. And emotions tend to get a bad reputation because emotions feel bad when I'm alone and I don't know what to do with this big feeling. It feels miserable. But ideally, you know, where joy is in this process is it's learning to feel the emotion. So I feel it, I share the emotion, and then I can quiet the emotion. And what that does is that helps me stay relational. When big feelings come up, kind of like a volcano sometimes, instead of trying to avoid them, which will end up keeping us in enemy mode, one of the things we can do is feel it, share it, and quiet it. And we can share it with Someone we trust, a friend, like you won't believe the day I've had here. Or we share it with the Lord as part of our prayer times. The goal is that you don't feel alone in the midst of that big feeling. And that actually makes feelings become more manageable rather than out of control or just too overwhelming. So it it just, you know, it feels like a big tidal wave. That feeling feels like a big tidal wave, but actually it's just a ripple at our ankle. But Mm -hmm. when we don't know how to feel it, share it, and quiet it, our brain's going to say, okay, I'm going to slip into enemy mode so that I can conserve energy and try to solve some problems. So we want to feel it. We want to acknowledge it's there, not stuff it down. That's right. And share it with the Lord, share it with a friend. And so is that what quiets it or is there an actual step to quieting? Yeah, that actually is what quiets it because now I feel like you're with me. The moment I feel alone in an emotion, it creates the toughest conditions to navigate that terrain. So the nice thing about this sequence of feeling it, sharing it, quieting it is I'm relational with someone, which now I feel like you're with me. I feel like you see me and it feels more manageable all of a sudden. Okay, so what if you feel like you're going to die which is an experience that you had. Yes. And it was very possible that you were going to die. Yeah. So how did it you, was. how did you feel share and quiet there? <laughs> yeah, so I was invited to go sailing. I was doing an event in California and friends said, "Hey, how about when you fly in we go we go sailing." I was like, "Oh, that sounds great. Nice relaxing afternoon." Oh no, this sailboat was a racing sailboat and this was one of those big sailboats with a team of like 12 people. And I didn't realize it at the time that my relaxing afternoon was going to be being part of a sailboat race where boats will like charge each other and turn at the last minute and boats turn sideways in the water and you're just feet from plunging into the ocean. So about three hours of that stuff, I felt like I was going to die. So one of the things that I did is I tried to stay relational with the people around me. I took lots of deep breaths and I talked to Jesus at the time saying, well, Lord, my my life is in your hands here. I pray for protection over these people and over the sailboats and the race. And so I stayed my relational self while I had these feelings like, ah, there's a good chance I'm going to die here today and I might not make it out of here. So breathing, connecting with Jesus, talking to Jesus, and being relational with the people around me going, wow, this is intense. Like, this is scary. Did you share those scary feelings with your teammates? I did. 
I did. There were a number of people that looked like deer in headlights like me. And uh, so I was just basically saying, yeah, this is intense, isn't it? Like, I'm going to hold on here. Maybe you can hold on there. And so just even helping the people around me, but acknowledging what I'm feeling really helped me feel connected with the people, the guests on this boat. And so I felt like we're in this together, even though we might die. Yeah. Uh, we're in this together. I don't feel so alone in this. And that's what made this bearable. So we can be in relational mode and we can be in enemy mode and we want to be in relational mode because that's where the sweet spot is. Yeah. yeah, just kind of refresh us on that, getting into relational mode. Yeah, relational mode is just when we are able to engage God and the world around us. We actually look for opportunities to build some joy when we're in relational mode. I enjoy my wife and my kids, even though it's been a hard day. I, I go home and I look forward to that connection and that interaction. But if my brain slips into enemy mode, maybe on the drive home, somebody cuts me off and they tell me I'm number one. That suddenly my brain can slip into enemy mode. And in enemy mode, now I'm focused on pain and problems. So I'll go into an environment and I'll look for what's wrong. I'll become critical and I'll actually scan the environment for things that are wrong rather than look for joy. And there's actually something that happens in our brain when we're in joy mode. We can see this through MRIs, right? Yeah. And we can see this when we're in enemy mode. Yeah, you know what? You can. In fact, they can scan your brain and tell you how much joy you have based on the what's called the orbital prefrontal cortex. It's just basically the right front part of your brain. They can scan that and basically tell you how much joy you have because this is a part of the brain that grows in response to joy-filled relationships. It actually grows over time when people have lots of faces that light up to see me. Yeah, and... We can be the one to initiate. We can. We need to yeah. be the one to initiate. I'm, I'm thinking of be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yes. So we reset into being relational, being yeah. kind, being compassionate, being patient. You know, take mm -hmm. some deep breaths when we feel that fight or flight. Yes. I have a, a suffering friend, you know, and I, I guess you could say in, in the general realm of having a mental illness. Mm -hmm. Now that's... It's a big subject. Mental illness involves not just the brain, but it involves the emotions. Yeah. It involves trauma. It involves past experiences. It involves wounds. You know, it's it's a whole thing like that. But anyway, this suffering friend of mine is is more depressed right now mm -hmm. than ever, and he's more OCD than ever, and he's more anxious than ever, mm -hmm. and he's more fearful than ever. And so it's just, it's really hard. And these are... These are things that are just not going to go away unless God just does a miracle. Yeah. And so, you know, somebody might be able to relate with interacting with a person like that in their lives. What can you say to us when we're in that kind of a situation? We want to help, mm -hmm. but it's just this person is really suffering. It's, it's an illness. Yeah, and that is a really hard situation. And one of the things we know is if you take an environment and you drop some joy in that environment— good things will grow in that environment. Even though it might be a harsh environment, good things can still grow. When you have people who are genuinely glad to be together, you, you hear it, you see it, and you feel it. Now, if you have an environment and you remove joy from that equation, it's going to be hard for things to grow. 
And so what this means is, you know, as Christ followers, ultimately we're meant to reflect the living God who is actually glad to be with his people. Yeah. So if, you know, if this person who's mentally ill, my suffering friend, you know, it, it wouldn't be good for me to just come in really happy with right. him. So how can I, you know, give him some joy that he can receive. Yeah. You know what? One of the things that you can do is really meet people where they're at. We always meet people where they're at. You know, one of the things I worked with working with traumatized children is you work with where they're at and what they have to work with. And you try to be your relational, gentle, kind, loving, genuinely glad to be with this person's self. Mm -hmm. And, and that tenderness can go a long way. And of course, praying, you know, I believe in, you know, inviting Jesus into the good and the hard places and just really remembering that this is the kind of place where we need God's touch and God's tenderness. And we're often his messengers meant to reflect him in those places. One of the things I say often to my suffering friend, and if you've got a suffering friend in your life, you know, it's just a very simple thing. I'm in your corner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Remember, I'm in your corner. <clears throat> and remember all the people in your life who are in your corner and who believe in you. It doesn't feel like much. It doesn't change him, but it helps. It helps. And you know what? Those are opportunities to wash feet, you know, in a sense, serving people, loving on people, reflecting Jesus, and just being tender with people can, you know, we, we tend to underestimate how impactful that can be. I'm in your court. I'm with you here. And let's invite God into this place. Thanks for letting Perry and Shauna walk the real-life journey with you. The content from the Perry and Shauna podcast comes from their live show, Perry and Shauna Mornings on 89.3 Moody Radio, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Reach out to us by texting 800-968-8930 and please subscribe.